You are listening to the Jabin Chavez Leadership Podcast, a conversation designed to help you find your organizational culture and leadership values. Jabin is a pastor, artist, and highly sought-after speaker who has a long track record of growing departments, ministries, and organizations. We know that this podcast will bring value to you as a leader and to your entire team. Hey friends, Jabin here, and I'm so excited about this podcast. Um, It's a little bit different, but I thought it would be great for leaders to hear how to just talk to teams, how to talk to volunteers, how to talk to um, givers, how to talk to leaders in their church. So this is actually from Team Night. Team Night is a night where we gather everyone who is on a team And that means they serve by leading a small group, being on a serve team, or serving through their tithe. And we do this four times a year. We do a team night every quarter. Uh, It's a night of celebration, a night of vision. It's always very exciting, night of worship, prayer, and, uh, and food. We always feed our team, and it's always something a little bit over the top because we want to bless them. So like this time was a in and out food truck. It's this giant semi truck that came. We fed everybody for free. Everybody got dinner. Everyone got drinks. Everyone got dessert, all that kind of stuff. We just totally blessed them and we went into a great time of worship. And then I taught on the word that the Lord gave me for 2023. And uh, it's talking about taking ground. But this night is always kind of a, a sermon built around vision, where we've been, where we're going, those kind of things. So I thought it would just be exciting for you to take a peek in. And um, uh, I, I think it'll be edifying for you. Besides that, uh, <laughs> I'm just really excited about this sermon. I'm excited about what God's speaking to me. And I think it'll be a blessing to you um, as a leader, as a minister, as a believer, um, and as anyone stepping into in 2023, there's a lot of bad things being said about 2023, and I'm just choosing to believe God. So um, I really do believe this is going to be a blessing to you. I love you guys. Have an incredible, I cannot believe it's December. I'm tripping out. Have an incredible Christmas season, and we'll see you at the beginning of the year. I want, I want to show you scripture in Genesis chapter 13 that uh, the Lord gave me as it pertains to taking ground, uh, which is the, the word for our year for uh, 2023. Taking ground spiritually, taking ground emotionally, taking ground in our family, taking ground physically. We're taking ground in every area of our life. That's really what I feel like uh, the Lord showed me, that we're going to have a, a supernatural victory in our lives like we've never had before in 2023. And and. And I'm real excited about it, and I feel like I have a lot to say about it. And um, But I, I want to show you where it started. It started right here in Genesis 13. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me. That's It's Abraham's family, Lot's family. They've, they've both got giant families, giant herds, giant groups of people, and they're, they're quarreling over the land. I don't want to, I don't want to quarrel. We're, we're close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Now, that, this is how you break a spirit of poverty off of your life, right there. That God is big enough and the world is big enough for you to be blessed and the person you don't like to be blessed. Yes. 
the person you haven't forgiven yet. It's not the whole land before you. Abraham didn't just say, it's not just big enough. For, it's big enough for both of us. Like this, and this is how you break up a, a poverty spirit. When I, when I talk about, about that, I know a lot of people who really live tight and small. And I don't, I'm not just talking about like giving at church. I'm just talking about in general, a, they live with a defensive spirit. And, and Abraham, the father of our faith, teaches us, hey, the whole land's before us. The whole land's before us. There's no competition. I, I, um, I went out to dinner the other night, and I saw a local pastor. Uh, it was a high-end restaurant. It's called Mastro's downtown. He was having dinner. We were having dinner. Uh, we did not know it, but I talked to his waiter, and he talked to my waiter. And we paid for each other's bill. <laughs> And can I just tell you, God's favor's on me because I, I spent way more. I did not know. I wouldn't have. We got the seafood things and the, I felt so bad when I, you know, and I saw his second, I went, oh, this is great. And then when they came up to me and said, well, they paid for you. I thought, oh man, I'm sorry. But hey, the land's big enough for both of us. just happened this week. If you go left, I'll go to the right. I had, I had three pastors in Henderson when he moved here say, you can't come to Henderson. I said, fine. Kiss the ring. Tell me to go west. It's not the whole land before us. Then when we went west, Three pastors in the West said, no, no, your church can't go over here. You can't go over here. You need to go somewhere else. They said, well, I got to go somewhere. <laughs> Tell me to go left. You go, go left, I'll go right. You go right, I'll go left. Because the land's big enough. Okay. Now, Abraham in that moment, he, he surrenders Hear me when I say this, to the bigness of God. He surrenders to the grandness of God. He surrenders to the, to the idea that God, is, that, that God is big enough. That I don't have to live small. I'm, I'm abandoning, I'm rejecting smallness, and I'm, I'm living in the, in the bigness of what God has for me. Now, this is God's promise. This is God's response. And it's very important that we know this because as we're in a culture right now, as you know, a lot of talk about, inflation and recession and, and all those things are very true and they're happening right now. We can't let fear get on the inside of us. There has to be this, this thing that says God is bigger. We're not living in, we're not irresponsible, we're wise, but we're also not just gonna like hide in a bunker for the next two years we're, or three years or whatever they're predicting it's gonna, however long it's gonna take. And so Abraham trusts God by releasing Lot and here's, what, here's the Lord's response to him, verse 14. The Lord said, Abram, after Lot had parted from him. Notice that God didn't speak till Abraham was the bigger man. So once Abraham surrendered to the grandness of God, God starts talking. There's just so much in here. If you run a business, I mean, I'm just telling you, it's just all, it's just all in here. Look around from where you are to the north, the south, the east, and the west. All the land that you see, I will give to you. Watch this. Abraham gave Lot the land. 
And now God gives Abraham the land. Now, Abraham didn't have the authority that God had. So Abraham goes left to right, you know, just kind of pick. God says north, south, east, west. When you do this my way, just a print, there's a principle here. I promise I'm going to get something practical, but there's just so many little principles here. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that anyone, um, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length. And here's my, here's my verse. This is my verse. This is my taking ground verse. Go walk through the length and the breadth of the land. I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. So here's his response. So Abram went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he pitched his tents. There he built an altar to the Lord. So his response now, first he, he trusts Lot to God. And now he builds an altar to God. And I want to just talk, just a few minutes, 7.50, I promise we won't go long. I just want to talk about taking ground for a couple of minutes, a couple of minutes. As we're entering into 2023, we're going to talk a lot this way this year, okay? Um, and and I, I'm just going to keep your faith high through the year because I believe that God is, is really setting us up right now. We're in a moment of, of great expansion. And uh, here's, here's the first thing you have to know about taking ground. We have to be on the offensive, not the defensive. Okay, that spirit of poverty is defensive. Mine. Every child's first word, mine. I've still never met an 18-month-old that went, Yours. Goldie would walk up to us at two and a half and start pulling our mine, mine. It's not, no, it's mine, my phone, mine. It's mine. And, and, and that, that, that small thinking will get you, 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 me, 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 me. And it's all defensive. They're trying to take my money. They're trying to take my time. They're trying to take my this. They're trying to take, everything, everything's kind of fear, 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 fear. In, in every area of your life, just kind of living from fear. Abraham lived from the offensive, not the defensive. He surrendered the land to Lot and said, God is big enough to bless both of us. Abraham gave Lot the decision knowing that God would provide. And I I just want you to start thinking as we go into 23. I want you to start thinking on the offensive. What, what, what could I do for the Lord this year? What could we do as a family this year? What could, we, what could our business do this year? What, where could our marriage go this year? Where could, where, 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 could, where could my career go this year? Where could our education go? What could our kids do this year? What could we? I want you to think offensive, not defensive. Now, you just got to understand the spirit of the age right now is actually the opposite. There's two big terms that are happening right now in our nation. One is the great resignation. Um, people hunkered down during COVID, but now that it's kind of coming out, people are, are kind of are, are a little bit shell-shocked, and they're kind of coming out of the shock of everything. Uh, believers were able to break out of it a little earlier because 
believers started gathering earlier and started getting around people earlier. But, but for a lot of people, you know, this will be the first Christmas they've seen family, you know, in three years and, and things like that. You know, they've, they really haven't been out yet. So, uh, so now as this has kind of happened, there's a great resignation. People are pulling back, pulling back from work, reevaluating their lives, and it's leading to a lot of things. But on, besides the great resignation, there's another thing called the quiet quit. The quiet quit. And it's a whole group of people that they're not quitting their jobs, but they are pulling back emotionally. They're pulling back mentally. They're still present, but they're no longer there. And they're living defensively. They're clocking in, clocking out, but they're, they're not making any way. They're not trying to do anything. And they've, they've just kind of, they've quietly quit. They haven't quit physically, but they've quit mentally and emotionally. And this is a huge wave that's happening right now in America. And I want to say, I don't, I don't want you to get into that. I want you to actually get in a, onto the offensive. Amen. Quietly quit. They, they're, they're still kind of streaming, but not really. They're, they kind of come to church, but not really. They, they go to work, but not really. They, their, their heart and soul kind of isn't into anything right now. Now, I'm not even saying all of that isn't justifiable. I'm not saying there hasn't been great trauma over the last two years. I'm not, I'm not beating anyone up. I'm saying this is literally what they're talking about right now. This is where we're at. I'm asking you not to quit. I'm actually asking you to re-engage. <laughs> re-engage your faith. Re-engage your prayer. Re-engage your worship. Re-engage your giving. Re-engage your servanthood. Re-engage your church attendance, re-engage on uh, your small group attendance, re-engage. I, I, I want to ask you to get out of the defensive and into the offensive. Lot was just trying to take anything he could and survive. Abraham said, take what, left or right, go do whatever you want to do. I'm gonna, God's got me. A- Abraham was seeing on a, on a higher level. Man, I feel so prophetic tonight. I feel so... So, so there's, there's, a, there's a temptation right now in our culture to kind of just like pause and hide, especially now that the news seems to just get worse and worse. But I want to tell you, as a church and as your pastor, we are not hitting cruise control. We're just not. We're not hitting cruise control. We're not hitting autopilot. We're not clicking on in a neutral and just seeing where the road takes us. Maybe it'll, maybe we'll roll forward. We might roll backward, whatever. Let's reemerge in 2025. Let's reemerge after inflation gets under control. Let's reemerge once the recession is over. No, no, no. We're we're just, as a church, we're putting our foot on the gas and we're going to reach more people. We're going to love more people. We're going to serve more people. We're going to give more money away. We're going to help more people come to Christ. We're not living in the defensive. We're going to live in the offensive. Put me in, coach. Get me off the bench. Get me in the game. I want to be a part of something great for God. That's Come on, everybody. Come on, business owner. Get on the offensive. Come on, parent. Get on the offensive. Come on, marriage. Get on the offensive. Make more money this year. Well, it's going to be tight. We're going to have to tighten up this year. Why don't you have the best year you've ever had? How? I don't really know. I don't have it all. I don't, I don't have all those answers for you. But I, 
But I do know this. I, I've, I've seen enough recessions now at 39 years old. I've seen enough to know a lot of people make money during these times. I know that. I do know that. Might as well be us. Might as well be the people of God. I, I do know we, we, don't, we don't have to just kind of like head down and just fear and just I hope we make it. No, let's, let's get on the offensive. I'm not, I'm not talking about a lack of wisdom, but I am, I am talking about the leading of the Holy Spirit. I, I am talking about surrendering to the greatness of God. So as, as a church, here's number two, we, we want calling, not comfort. Calling, I'm going to talk to you, Irisha. <laughs> calling, not comfort. Calling, not comfort. So, so Abraham goes, go where you want to go, Lot. And Lot goes, I'll take Sodom and Gomorrah. Can, can you just imagine, we're in, basically, if you could imagine the Las Vegas Valley, and they're in the desert. And Lot looks around at all this desert, and then he sees that town down there by the water. And he goes, I'll take that. It's like Lot was like, let me just pray about it. I guess, I guess Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> it's like, no, duh. Eeny, meeny, me. Like, Goldie does eeny, meeny, miny, mo, but it always ends up landing on. <laughs> it's like, wait, hey, I think you were, Okay. Lot, Lot went with what was convenient and comfortable. And Abraham let him do it. And he said, I'll, I'll take conviction. I'll take calling. I'll take Jehovah Jireh. I'll take provision. Ne- never forget this. I- I've talked about this a lot. I learned this from, from Brother Kenneth Hagin. You never just look for an open door or a closed door. We're, we're led by the voice of the good shepherd. Not open doors, closed doors. Well, it's an open door. I guess that, well, maybe. But what did the Holy Spirit say? Okay, forest over here, city over here. Well, this obviously God. Well, maybe not. We're led by the Spirit. So I'm never moved by closed doors or open doors, ever. A lot of times a closed door might actually be the enemy's resistance trying to stop you. And that's actually God's door. You just got to go kick it in the name of Jesus. So, so I, I, so I want to, be, because just there, there's an E, I'm going to talk about it Sunday. There's an ease and a rhythm to the, to the things of God, but there, but the voice of God isn't just always what's easier or even what's obvious, but what is the Holy Spirit saying? What's the Spirit of God leading us into? What do we feel God telling us? What, and, a, and a lot of that is Abraham was just able to say, okay, Lot, whatever, whatever you want to do, you go do it. But I, I'm going to go with conviction. I'm going to go with call, not just ease. Okay, so we're at a point in our church right now where, where we, have, we have hit a, a, uh, a ceiling growth-wise. Here's what'll happen. You, you can't always see it. I see it up here. Church will be jammed, crazy, wild for two weeks. And then the next like three weeks, it's like, where did everybody go? 
Well, everyone was like, I'm going to watch online. Y'all are crazy. It's packed. I can't get my kids in. I can't get a seat. I'm not sitting in that lobby. I got stores over here screaming at me. Trying to, I'm just trying to park, and I got managers yelling at me for where I'm parking, and I got stabbings happening at Lee's. <laughs> Did you hear about that Sunday? I don't know if you heard about that. A, a woman called the cops and said, I've been stabbed. She stabbed herself and then framed her husband. Sunday. See, all you married couples, y'all thought you were crazy. Husbands, the next time you complain about your wife, I'm going to be like, did she stab herself though? No, she didn't stab herself. <laughs> Can you believe that? Whack. Ricky Bobby. How? I don't even feel it. Y'all remember that scene? So the cops rush over. She's got it. Okay, sorry. That happened Sunday. Omar's in here preaching the gospel. And we got... Okay. What was I talking about? Okay, so we've, we've capped. So what'll happen? So we'll, we'll crazy, 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 overflow, overflow, overflow. And then it'll kind of, and then it'll, well, comfort would say, here, here's what I could do. I could say, you know what? We're going to go to seven services. I'm going to preach the first one. Then we're going to go to video. Good luck. And I could do that. And I could go home. I can go preach the first one and go home and be like, hey, best team, handle it, guys. But I actually don't, I don't think that's the truest expression of who we are. And I don't, I don't, I just don't think that's the best expression to our city of who we are. I don't think we're like, we're not a video church, like just, you know what I mean? Like, so uh, video for us, YouTube for us is to minister to people who cannot come and to minister to new people who are checking us out which that happens a lot. A lot of, that was a lot of you. You watched me for three or four weeks. You went, I want to go see this guy. So it was like, amen. <laughs> so it was like that, right? So, but it isn't like our strategy for how Sunday church will be. We, we, we want people in the room. We want, uh, we want that connection. So I'm saying all that to say, I comfort could have just said, let's go to seven services, run the video, see what happens. And, and, and kind of hit kind of hit autopilot till we get into the new building. But conviction said, let's get some people in the room. Let's, let's get better classrooms for our kids. Let's spend another $100,000 like we did at Silverado. Let's buy more speakers. Let's buy more in-ear sets. Let's buy more signs. Let's, because we can gather easily 15 to 2,000 people over there at, with less effort, make more of an impact, see more people come to Christ. It's conviction. It's not comfort. Does that, I hope. So like, we got to like, set up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's conviction. It's, it's not the conviction that we were bored. It's, and it's not even the conviction of we don't want to do more services. It's the conviction that we can reach more people with less services and have a more sustainable flow for the next 18 months. That's the conviction. The conviction is we don't want to just cruise through the next 18 months. We actually want to grow through the next 18 months. 
right? We want to see more people come to Christ. We want to see more people say, we want to see more of your friends and family come to the Lord. Amen. Can I get a better amen in the house? So, so conviction means we're going to go push in some carts and we're going to set up some, and it's going to be really cold in the mornings in the winter. It's going to be really hot in the afternoons in the summer. And it's okay. Because it's conviction. Think, think about this. It's conviction. It's, it's calling. It's not comfort. And I want, I want you to get that in your heart because that's how we're thinking. We're, 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 we're thinking bigger for the sake of souls. We're thinking bigger for the sake of eternity. We're thinking, we're thinking bigger for the sake of seeing more people to come to Christ. And we'll start with two services. And as those grow and those max out, then we'll, we'll reevaluate. We'll go to three. And if those all max out and go crazy, we'll reevaluate. We'll go to four. And we're not, we're not anti more services, but if, we, but if there is a strategy that we can do, we want to do that. And then we want to trust God for whatever else he wants to provide for us as a church. So I, I just want that to get in your heart. Like as a church, if this is your home church, if I'm your pastor, I want you to just know this about me. It's always going to be calling and conviction over comfort. It's just always going to be that way. How do we reach more people? How do we help more people? How do we, how do, we do more? Not, not from an ambitious spirit, not from a driven ego, but from a real thing that thinks about eternity. Yeah? All right. And, and Abraham had that conviction. He said, Lot, go pick comfort. Go ahead. But I'm picking conviction. I'm picking the voice of God. And that, that's just how we're going to, that's how we're going to serve our city. Thirdly, we're going to get into God's system, not the world system. Here's what I mean. Abraham let Lot go and, and Lot immediately got in trouble. <laughs> Boy, did he get in trouble. And you can read the story of Sodom and Gomorrah um, on your own time and, and go to Israel and go swim in the Dead Sea because that's where Sodom and Gomorrah was and there's nothing alive there. And, and, and that it's, it's a picture of the world system. It's a picture of doing it your own way and doing it outside of God's leading. And so Sodom, I mean, um, Lot just goes into Sodom and Gomorrah and starts living the life, and it's a, it's a mess what happens. His family gets destroyed. It's, I mean, it's, just, it's crazy what happens. Abraham gets into God's system. So Lot is hanging out in Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham's building altars. <sighs> Lot's building his house. Abraham's building God a house. Lot's, Lot's building his own life. Abraham is, is building his life around the presence of God. I cannot wait to preach this on January 1st. And y'all better come. If you come hungover, come, but come January 1st. No judgment. Come on January 1st. 
I'm going to, I'm going to preach on seek first the kingdom of God. This word first is such a powerful word in the Greek language because it isn't first like we think of one, two, three, four, five. It isn't Jesus one and then Shannon second and then the church third. And then that word first is, is better translated center. Um, top priority, but not numerically. The best way to do it, and I, we, we got to figure out how to do this when I'm preaching it, but the best way to do it is, is it's the throne. Wow. Remember in heaven, the throne is not over there somewhere. The throne is in the center. Yeah. And we all, revolve, we all revolve around the throne. Wow. So it's not that Jesus is first here and then tick, 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 but it's that Jesus is first, and then my family, and then church, and then Goldie, and then Shannon, and then business, and then money, and then servant, and then time, and then and everything is connect. Everything branches off of 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 what is first, of what is center, of what is primary. So Lot's hanging out in his house in Sodom. Abraham is around the altar. Abraham's living his life revolving around the presence of God. Come over here, Sarah. Come over here, family. Come over here. This is, this is we're, we're, we're around the altar. And your spiritual success in life is completely dependent, 100% dependent upon your ability to build an altar. Abraham built four. Man, do you feel that? Boy, I could shout right now. I could run. My goosebumps got goosebumps. He built an altar in Mamre. Now, just for Bible study nerds, the altar represents worship, sacrifice, giving, trust. It represents the presence of God, the fire of God, and the eyes of God because God would would look upon the altar. God would hear. It was the ears of God. God would hear what was happening at the altar. So it was, this, it was this place of worship, of sacrifice. That's, that's what we did at Miracle Offering. We, we built an altar unto the Lord. We, we stretched and we, we made our money revolve around the altar. And whether that impacted you for a month or for a year, I, I don't know, or for a week or for a day or for 10 years, I don't know what, where you were at, but whatever you did, it, it, it drug your bank account to the altar and said, you are going to bow down to this thing now. Anybody else feel that? A little bit. I felt that a little bit. I thought, oh, I got to move. I got to change some things. I got to. Because the altar now, because now that's first. He, he has four altars in scripture. And, um. I'll just give them to you real quick. The first altar he built when God said, I'm going to bless you and your seed. I'm going to make you a father of many nations. So that's the altar of promise. Whatever God's promised you, you've got to build an altar around it and, and bring it back to the presence of God. Never separate the promise of God from the presence of God. Can I teach real quick? The second was the altar of prayer. That was in Genesis 13, before the account we read, he built an altar. Him and Lot were having some issues. There were some things happening. Abraham built an altar. 
It, it was there, I believe, that he heard the voice of God. And it was there that he looked at Lot and said, go left, go right, do whatever you want to do. You can have Sodom, I, I have an altar. So he had an altar of promise, he had an altar of prayer, but then he had an altar of peace. The altar of peace is once he released Lot, now we have this altar. Um, th- this area that, that he went in Hebron literally means fellowship or intimacy or relationship. He, he was saying, God, I need you more than I need Lot. And I can release Lot, but I need God. So he, so he, oh man, I feel Jesus. So now he has, so now he has peace with God and he has peace with himself because he knows that he did the right thing. And then we know the altar of provision that happened in Genesis 22 when he trusted God with Isaac. And that's when he, that's when he gets to know God as Jehovah Jireh. So he has four altars. Anytime God blesses your life, you got to have an altar connected to it. When God gives you a promise, connect it to an altar. When you don't know what to do, build an altar. When you got to release people and you got to make big decisions, build an altar. When, when God blesses you with a ram in the thicket, build an altar. You got to have altars. You got to build altars. The place of worship, the place of sacrifice, the place of giving. And it was there that he builds an altar. Check this out. Lot goes to Sodom, which means scorched, dry, burnt. <laughs> You're going to love this. Abraham built an altar in Mamre, fully assimilated, well-fed. Okay, think about what they're saying about 23 and get this for your life. Fully assimilated, well-fed, abundantly supplied, I love this one. I'm trying to lose it, but fat. You know what that fat represents? The anointing. (laughs) Firmness, strength, vigor. It it was in Mamre that he got his vigor back. He got his vitality back. I'm a preacher. I always want to use my hands. I'm not trying to point to any... He got his um, stuff back. He got his mojo back. Amen. And got his Isaac anointing there. Got his vigor. He got his strength back. He was renewed there. 90-year-old good is dead. Sarah's womb dead. But they got their vigor back, their strength back, their vitality back, their fat back, their... When, when they're firm back... Lord, everybody stop helping me preach right now before I... In the place that he was able to build his altar. You don't get... Listen to me. You don't get Isaac in Sodom. You get Isaac in Mamre. You don't get the promise in the world. I said, we're trading the world system. And we're going into God's... Come on up, y'all. We're going into God's system of increase multiplication anointing come on I know everything they're saying about next year but we're taking ground we're going to have the best year of our life because we're building altars we're building worship 
We're building sacrifice. We're building prayer, fasting, going after God, building God's house. Lot, you can have Sodom and Gomorrah. You can have it. You can have it. You give me an altar in the woods and watch what God will do with my life. Give me an altar in the middle of nowhere and a mighty nation will be birthed out of me. Because Abraham got into God's system of increase. Now just stay standing because I'm done. So play some for me. So I've said this a million times. I'll say it a million more times. That when we give, we take money out of the world system of decrease and we put money into God's system of increase. And so we built an altar a couple weeks ago. It's very spiritual what we did. We didn't, we were not raising money. Watch this. We didn't fund a project. We're too small and God's too big for him to be funded. We're not God's financial backer. He's our financial backer. <laughs> you, you didn't give to a charity. You worshiped God at an altar and you stretched your faith and some of you gave $10 and it, was, and it meant the world to you and others of you gave $10,000 and meant the world to you and others of you, whatever that was. But we, but we, we trusted God because we're building God a house. And we're not just running down to Sodom and Gomorrah doing it the world's way. We're trusting God with a house. And I'm believing that what God did for Abraham... God's going to do for this church. Amen. I believe, I just believe that. I just really do believe. Staking my whole life on it. I'm staking my whole faith on it. That God, that God knew what he was doing when he called us to this city all those years ago to help be one of many. We're not the only one. One of many churches. There's plenty of land. There's plenty of churches. You know what I'm saying? We're not it. I'm not it. I'm not not Abraham, okay? (laughs) But we're just, we're one of many that want to teach people how to build an altar. And man, every time he built an altar, the fire of God would consume, the presence of God would fall. And that's what happens every time we, we sacrifice, we worship, we, we go beyond ourselves, we go beyond natural, we go out of this world system and into God's system.